It all comes back to sacrifice. Early to bed, early to rise. Isn't it something? Um, we don't do that over here, Kay. Man, what was I gonna say? Hit the snooze button. 100%. <laughs> I saw this thing on TikTok. <laughs> so what's up, buddy? Are we on? Yeah, we're on. Is this episode 10? 10, man. That's a little bit of a thing to celebrate. We're going steady. It's an even number. Let's celebrate with a glass of water. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, shit, there's a, there's a lot of fights coming up. Um, I think this month, but also June, there's a lot happening. And this it's a good time to be a fight fan. Big time. Even the TikTok and YouTubers and the Logan Paul versus Floyd. I'm, I'm excited for those too. But this weekend is uh, Michael Chandler and uh, Oliveira. <laughs> And I'm actually super pumped for that fight. And it's like one of those things where I, I had to look back and I watched a few like old fights of Michael Chandler because yeah. I just haven't seen them. The, the only fight I've actually seen from him was him knocking out uh, Dan Hooker. Hmm. That was the only fight. Really? I, I've seen highlights, but I've never seen an actual fight of his. I don't know if I have either, to be honest. I should go back. Yeah. I've seen highlights, but. Well, and everyone kept telling me like, oh, did you see the Eddie Alvarez fight? And so I finally checked it out uh, last night and it was like, yeah, I was telling you before the podcast, worth watching. So yeah, if you're a fight fan, check it out. It's uh, Michael Chandler against Eddie Alvarez in Bellator for the title. It was years ago. Um, but watching that, I'm, I, at first I was like, oh, Chandler's going to win for sure. But now, and I know that was a long time ago. I'm sure he's learned, but there was a lot of things that I was seeing where I'm like, oh, Oliveira might like be able to capitalize. He's looking very sharp lately. And I, I noticed that Chandler was like throwing heavy shots and leaving himself quite open. And then Eddie Alvarez was like capitalizing. So we'll see, but I, I'm going to make a prediction right now. I think Oliveira is going to win. I just don't know how yet, but I think he's going to win. Who you got? It's a tough call, man. I I really like them both. I might I might be rooting for Oliveira, believe it or not, just because I'm such a big fan of his jiu-jitsu game. He's yeah. so dangerous, yeah. and he's always looking for the finish. Um, he's on like an eight-fight win streak with like finishing everybody yeah. and like dismantling Tony Ferguson. Yeah. Um, Showed good wrestling in that fight too. Yeah. Like really good wrestling. He's just so calm and loose, yeah. you know, and he's so creative, and he's always attacking. Um, the, the, the thing that I'm... So with his good jiu-jitsu game, and Michael Chandler actually talked about this, the first round, I think they're both very scary. Chandler's heavy punches are terrifying yeah. in the first round, but Oliveira's jiu-jitsu game is more scary in the first round. The sweatier they get, the harder it's going to be to submit a guy like Chandler. You know, again, when you're, when you're, but he does go for necks, which is a lot better when you're slippery. It's not like he's going for arm bars, kimuras or anything that can, that can slip or like heel hooks. So his submission game, at least he does go for the neck quite a bit. If I can remember, especially against a good wrestler who's kind of putting his head in that position. He's got a slick, like ninja choke and he does a lot of like hand, head and arm chokes. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. But that first round is going to be a, it's going to be intense, man. Almost I think a lot of the fights that Chandler's been in, he rocks people in the first round. Some of the first punches he throws, he usually lands, and then people are like, oh shit, I'm in a fight, you know? And he's good at smoke screens. He's good at baiting you. He doesn't just throw heavy, but I was watching one of the embeddeds, and that's one of the things he said was he watched the Canelo fight last weekend, mm. and he's like, I was inspired. He's like, that was kind of my style, where it's just very basic but it's like hard strikes like yeah. two three punch combinations hard solid foundation yeah. so you know he he's gonna be throwing hard but um oh that's a tough i haven't even thought about who i'm just gonna say 
He might TKO Oliveira. I'm I'm gonna say Oliveira, man. I'm gonna say Oliveira with uh, either of this. That's uh, a five round fight, hey. I think yeah. Oliveira with the with the third or fourth round sub. Mm, wow. Yeah, and you know what? That's the one thing I learned from that Eddie Alvarez fight. Even though uh, Chandler won, spoiler alert, um, he did get tired. And that, again, that was a long time ago, and it was a dog fight. But I don't think Oliveira shows signs of like lack of cardio too often. He's a bit of a dog. Like he can fight the the whole time with quite like keeping himself composed, having yeah. good technique still. Chandler was getting pretty sloppy in there. He was making some big mistakes, but so was Eddie Alvarez. So it just ended up being like this crazy wild dog fight. And you think those people, those guys, Eddie Alvarez and and Chandler, they probably brought that out in each other because they're just. It's kind of like that, like alpha versus alpha, like yeah. who hits harder, who's going to put the other guy out. Like, That's actually what Eddie Alvarez said before the fight. I, I was watching like a little interview before the Bellator fight like years ago. And he said that he's like, I don't think Chandler's been in a real fight yet. And I'm going to make him be in a real fight. So I'm going to like bring the dog out of him. And so yeah. the first round, you're like, oh, he was in line. Yeah. It was just a bloody, like blood war and just like throwing bombs. There was rank, rank scrambles. Yeah. Both of them were connecting, getting rocked, getting back up. It was wild, yeah. man. That's Crowd was I got to check that out. Yeah. Sleeper fight I posted on my story this morning. Benel Dariush against um, Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson Dude, yeah. that's a good fight. That's a good fight. Dariush was getting his ass kicked his last fight, and then he came back and won. Is that, is that his last one? He, he makes it ugly. Yeah. 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 I think his last two even. Mm. Like, he'll take shots. He's kind of got that zombie style where... Similar to Ferguson. Exactly. And that's why I like this fight. Because they're both looking for finishes, and they could both do it late in the fight, even if you think they're kind of they're kind of checked out. So, I think it would be exciting. I think Dariush is going to win. Just based on Tony Ferguson's last fight with Gaethje. I think that fight changed him a little bit. I think so, too. There was that, if anybody's watched it, there was at the end of that fight where he had that weird little, almost like this vulnerable step to him. He got hit with something and he, he almost like looked at the ref and he like looked like a, like a scared, he was just scrambled. Like his, you could tell his brain was not all there. And I just feel like those fights when you're taking that many heavy shots for like, did it go the whole round or was it stopped? How did it, how did that fight end? Um... Regardless, it was. Can't a, remember, but he got his ass. A long ass kicking of yeah. just heavy shots from Gaethje. I, I no, I think he's. St- I think he was stopped on the feet. The ref came. Like he remember, he was kind of stumbling away, yeah. and then the ref came in. Yeah, maybe. But that yeah, was he it. got changed in that fight. It was so, like a late TKO stoppage from the ref. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think I got Dariush and Oliver. Yeah, I, I think Dariush too. I, I think it's going to be a wild fight. I think yeah. it's not going to be like a super clean technical <laughs> no. fight, but it's going to be exciting as hell. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the, so we won't talk about it too much, but the TikTokers and the YouTubers are fighting too. And man, they're making some stupid money. They were like, just trying to find like another guy to fight on the undercard, no experience. So they had like this boxing ring where they're just like, Hey, like this guy who makes funny TikToks, you should fight this YouTuber who like does reviews on cars. (laughs) Here's a hundred thousand dollars for whoever wins. And then we're going to make you a part of our, uh, part of the, the actual card. Okay. So these young kids were like fighting to the death because they knew they got a hundred thousand dollars and the chance to fight on this big youtubers tiktoker card so these kids with no experience are like i'm gonna fucking go balls to the walls and like it was like (laughs) shitty technique but it was fun to watch like they were just throwing haymakers but you see like all the you know these kids around the ring just like screaming and you got to give them props for even just like they have these big reputations, these big names, these big platforms online, and you're still willing to to 
potentially get knocked the fuck out in front of millions of followers. Yeah. And it's humbling, man. Like straight up. That Fousey tube was there and he's kind of like our age. Mm, yeah. And he was kind of like a big YouTuber back in the day, but he's kind of behind all this. He's promoting it. He calls himself like Dana Tube or something. He's like, <laughs> Yeah, silly. But so he talked about his experience. He was talking mad shit to this other YouTuber and they ended up fighting, kind of like Logan Paul and KSI. And he's talking all this shit. And he got smoked. He got his ass kicked. He looked sloppy. He looked super amateur. He broke his nose. His eyes were swollen shut. Like, dude, he got <laughs> I watched. I ended up watching the fight because after I heard the story, I'm like, okay, I got to see this. Yeah. And yeah, he got his ass kicked. This guy was just piecing him up. And so now he's watching all these cocky young TikTokers talking shit. And he's like, you better be able to back it up because he's like, one of you is getting your ass kicked. It, 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 that's just how she goes. That's the game. One of you, both of you are talking shit. One of you is going to get your ass kicked. And so these kids are like, shit. <laughs> He's right. I wonder if those people are have ever got like punched in the face before. Because it's going to be a rude awakening. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, this is like... This is real. This, yeah, this isn't a joke. This like, is real. It's yeah. not fun. Even if you get popped with like a 50% jab in the face, yeah. it wakes you up. You eat some humble pie real quick. Yeah. Yeah. They always say like, it's like you can play basketball, play football. You can't really play fight. Yeah. It's like you're in a fight and it's it's the real deal. Yeah. You know? Hey bro, can I ask you something? Yeah. What's that on your arm? Oh, uh, I reached over to, Aaron was like stayed in the van and in the morning she, she does these Zoom calls sometimes and the kettle was uh, steaming. And so I, I quickly, I didn't want to like interrupt her. So I opened the back door to reach to turn my stove off and I, I went right over top of the kettle. And it burnt me and I went like this and then I went in again and it burnt me twice. So that, that one is also a burn? Yeah. Okay. These from the exact same. The reason thing. I asked is I was like, that looks like ringworm. So I was oh, like, oh, I see. I was oh. happy you said it was a burn. Uh, I was like, that looks like ringworm. Yeah, it kind of does. eh? I thought maybe you thought it was like a hickey, like Aaron was sucking <laughs> on my forearm. <laughs> Just oh the weirdest king. <laughs> uh, um, anyways, back to the fight. The other one I'm excited about, unless you have anything more to cover with the YouTube guys is no, Nate, Nate Diaz, Leon Edwards. It's called off though, I thought. It's it's postponed. They're oh. fighting in like June okay. now or something. Or maybe, maybe July. I see. Because I think Nate had a back injury. But dude, have you seen Nick Diaz lately? He's who, been, who's, who's fighting Leon Edwards? Nate? Nate. Okay. I don't, Nick doesn't have a fight set up. Right. But just following him on Instagram, he's been in shape. He's he been training. Shredded. He's been in the gi. He's been biking. Yeah. I haven't seen him look that shredded before. I wonder if he's preparing for something big, like a big name. Because he's still a relatively big name. Like Fuck he yeah. could draw some big numbers. So nope. I, I bet he's going to come back for like a big fight. He only would. Yeah. I don't think he, yeah. He, he's at that level. He's earned it, you know, like yeah. super fight type shit. Yeah, they're never in boring fights either. They're always entertaining. So it's like, it, that was the thing with, uh, I think, Tyrone Woodley. Um, I think he lost like four of his last five or something and he yeah. got cut. Yeah. And Cowboys lost like six out of his last seven. But he's, yeah, I think he's getting another shot because he's exciting every time, you know? So it's like those people that put like come to brawl, win or lose, as long as it's fun and people like watching it, Dana will just keep giving you more chances. Guys like Cowboy aren't going to get cut. No. He, he's... He's been there for the company so so long, and he'll fight whenever. It's like he's earned his. It's like, hey, you're a UFC alumni, man. Yeah, like, yeah. But did you hear what he said about? Um, I think after his last fight, he was kind of talking about that, where he he said is like he he thinks he doesn't think that he's not ready to retire, but he's like how I think and how I feel are two different things. Like and I never heard his interview after. He was good. Yeah, he was like all bloodied up and like he got knocked. I seen out the fight. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, he was. You could tell he was pretty like butthurt yeah. about it and 
yeah, it's just sad when you see people like on that back end of their career. But if only they, I'm sure they do over time, but it's like people still remember Cowboy. Like it's a perfect nickname for him. Yeah. You're a wild motherfucker. That one year he fought like six times in one year, had a bunch of fight bonuses, Yeah, you know, like really built his name up. But then that same, like right after that crazy run he had, he like plummeted. Yeah. It's like it just redlined his body, trained too Man. much. It's a game out. of inches, like Anderson yeah. Silva, you know? It's yeah. like once Chris Weidman, it's like mm-hmm. you're just not that same force, that dominant force that you once were. And, yeah. And, but, but yeah, you know, people are going to look back at people like Silva and Cowboy and remember their good yeah. shit, you know? But it is kind of shitty when it's like you know they're, they're in, they love this shit so much, they're so passionate, but they're just not at their peak anymore. Yeah. And it's hard for them to like let it go, you know? I know, I know. It's tough. But he's still getting paid like two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand dollars. So to him, it might be worth it. It's like, yeah, like I'll, I'll go in and fight. I'm still gonna train hard, but like it's worth the money to like just save a bunch, and then I can maybe like find another outlet or something. Yeah. I don't know. Hang in for another year, make another million, and dip yeah. the hell out. Like, yeah, shit. Sure. So speaking of martial arts, I want to talk to about talk to you about my TikTok. <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, and I knew this for a long time. To when you start a social media. Or even like a podcast. I, I, I think that if, let's say you and I started a martial art podcast, I would imagine that it would grow quicker than what we're doing now. But this is fun for us. We like to just talk about random shit. So we don't really want to limit ourselves that way. But again, if we if we made a specific martial art podcast or like, you know, real estate podcast, it would grow more because people know what to expect every episode as opposed to bouncing around all over the place. Social media is the same thing. The more you can narrow in with a niche, the more you're going to grow. Because once you get one follower who liked your van life post, and then every other post after that is van life, they're coming to your page for van life. Mm-hmm. Whereas like for the last few years, I, I was doing social media and, and I, it was fun for me, but it's like, it would be van life here, dance here, martial art here, book review here. So it's all over the place. But now I finally made a second TikTok account solely for martial arts so i'm just doing like fight breakdowns technical breakdowns just anything to do with martial arts and um man i i've i love it and i i I think it's gonna grow a lot again i'm not trying to think about too much about like the numbers right now but it's hard not to every time i open my tiktok it's like a lot of the videos are starting to blow up and and catch momentum but i think it's because of that niche Mm -hmm. i think i've really kind of dialed in on that finally after years of being all over the place with social media it's like with my t- my my original TikTok, I had thirty four thousand followers on there right now, but a dance video went viral. So then you get a bunch of people that like shuffle step and dancing, but then the next video they see a van life thing and they're like, "What's this fucking hobo doing?" Yeah. Like, I don't want to watch this shit. Yeah, you know. But then one of my van life videos blows up, and they're like, "Oh, van life!" And then I post like a martial art video, and the van life people are like, "I don't want to see him hitting a bag. I don't exactly. give a shit about this." Yeah. So it's just like all over the place. So yeah, the idea of just like being very consistent so that the people that follow you know what to expect each video, but. The, the bigger thing and the best thing for me is I genuinely feel like it's making me a better martial artist and a better coach because now I get to watch these like clips and I really have to think about it before I make the video of like how can I break this down how can I explain it by myself because I don't have a partner to drill with mm-hmm. I mean, can I use the van as like a you know I, I, I showed you that one video where my spare tire has a tie pad on it mm-hmm. and so like I'm kind of connecting the van life with it but not really talking about it I'm just doing martial exactly. art breakdowns yeah. dude social media is fun again for me 
Like nice. I, I think I was telling you Instagram, I was just getting bored with it. That's why like, I love the podcast. Like yeah. this still excites something me. Different. Yeah. It's something different. And then again, I just find like the older I'm getting, the more into martial arts I'm getting. I'm like, I, nice. I'm starting love to watch it. fights a little bit more. I'm breaking things down. I'm training more. The privates are picking up, but now TikTok and social media is becoming more fun. Cause now it's like, I, yeah, I'm just saving all the martial art videos and I'm thinking about how to break this down. I'm reading all the comments, like that one video that's starting to blow up. There's a shitload of comments. Comments. Most of them are good. Some of them are bad. Some of them are just good criticism. So it makes me have to remove my ego sometimes. And I'm re reading ego is the enemy. So it's kind of like a good time. And you're rereading that one. I'm rereading it. Yeah, it was one of my goals this year was to read um, ten of my favorite books. Good man. For the second time. So yeah, I'm reading it again, and it just really talks about just to like. And I have to do that sometimes when I open TikTok to remove my ego before I look at the comments. Cause like someone might say something like, you know, a little bit triggering and I feel like my body changing a little bit and it's like, it bothers me a bit, but I have to be like, just like my main goal is to, you know, provide like value for people in martial arts. Yeah. Like that's like my main goal. So I just have to like, if I can be self-critical and just view their comment as nothing more than just like, is, is what they're saying correct? Is there something that I need to view in the last video that I posted? Then I can make those corrections. But either way, I'm loving that niche of a martial art TikTok, And I think it's going to do really well. And it's exciting. for me. I love it, man. I love yeah. that you're excited about doing it. Yeah. Um, it's like anything like in business, you know, you hear people say you should specialize, like there's more opportunity, but people just, they get opportunities from different angles. So they just want to take it all. Right. But, and they think that's better because, Hey, if I can do everything, then I can get more business. But it's right. like, actually the, the one percenters are like, let's say we're talking about Toronto. It's like they specialize and they will only sell, um, up, upscale downtown condos in Toronto. Mm. You know, it's like, if you go out to the suburbs, it's like, no, it's like I do upscale condos. That's yeah. what I do. And people would think, well, you're missing opportunities, but there's something to be said about a tight dialed in niche yeah a hundred percent it's um i posted on my instagram with ego is the enemy again and it talked about the a lot of people think saying yes all the time for opportunity but sometimes saying yes all the time takes you away from whatever that main thing is that's your shit and all of a sudden you get so overwhelmed with all these other little things that spread you too far exactly and then yeah it's like you know there's some real estate agents who like specialize in farms yeah. So it's like anytime you want to sell a farm, buy a farm, you know, there's this one guy who like, that's his shit. You know, maybe yeah. he grew up on a farm. He's very knowledgeable about the, the land around there, blah, blah, blah. Shout out to Don Dick. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> funny. Cause like, that's, I, I remember his sign was always on the, like when you leave Warman and you head out North on that little road, I remember just always seeing a Don Dick sign and it was like acreage something or like farmland. I forget what it was. That's my boy. Is it? He works out of my office. Yeah. Oh, we, yeah. we talk quite a bit. Speaking um, of real estate. Um, you're nine years in. Yes, sir. Time flies. Time flies. It's crazy. Hey? It's so crazy to me, man, that it's like, you, you're like, I, I feel like it just, you, you haven't been doing it that long, but you've almost been doing it as long as I've been in martial arts. It's a fucking long time. It's like a third of my life almost. Yeah. Isn't that something like, like, so what age did you get into it? You <clears throat> must've been like 22, 22, um, 21. I that seems so crazy. Well, it, it yeah. May is exactly nine years ago, so I must have been twenty-three if I'm going to be thirty-two this year. But I, I think oh, twenty-two. Yeah, I, guess, yeah. I want to say twenty-two. Wow, but crazy man. Yeah. Um, no, maybe it is twenty-three. Anyways, yeah, it's um, it's wild, man. Time goes by so fast. It's crazy. It's crazy to think that we graduated high school like half a lifetime ago. Mm -hmm. Like, I know. it's insane. We're getting old, man. 
but um yeah no i think we were gonna like talk a little bit about kind of how i got into that journey because we were talking about your van life one last week yeah um yeah what got you into real estate why did why did you choose real estate i might dial it back a bit and even just take you back a little bit, bit further so i think we were talking last week about sometimes it's worth taking a pay cut to do what you want to do and be around the people in a work environment that you want to be around and um so you know i took that pay cut and took that other job i didn't know what i wanted to do but i just knew what i didn't want to do when i I, my mindset thinking back was so limited when i was when i was younger in high school i didn't care about being successful i just didn't want to be a failure Mm. i remember i just wanted to make enough money to fit in and just do something where i wasn't like a failure right and i just I, I didn't know, you know, so I, I knew I didn't want to work for somebody in an office or, or in a, a building I didn't want to be at. That Sunday night feeling of sickness in your stomach of got to go back to the shop or the office tomorrow and be there 40 hours this week at, you know, starting tomorrow Monday. That feeling, I was aware that that made me sick to my stomach. Mm. Um, I didn't want to work an hourly wage. I just believe in the more value you bring to something, you should get more out of it. And that's what motivated me. And also I didn't want to do anything that was like physical exertion because I'm so into whatever it is, martial arts, fitness, sports, that I was like, if I'm working a job doing concrete all day or building trusses all day, I'm going to be taxed physically by the end of it. So I would rather do something where I can tax my mind and then still go and exert myself after with my hobbies, with my passions. So again, I didn't know what I wanted. I just knew what I didn't want to do. Those three things. Um, I decided I wanted to go to business school because I didn't even know what business was, man. Like I just, that's how you you learn to go to school for it. eh? I just knew that business wasn't working a trade and business wasn't doing like a labor job. Right. So I was like, Hey, I need to go learn more about what business is. And so I had this sense, like even in thinking my yearbook, I put like, I'm going away to, cause I got accepted into Nate in Edmonton to a business college. I was going to go right after I graduated, moved mm-hmm. to Edmonton and two of my friends were also going to go. And I was so limited, so scared, such a follower in a sense at that state that they both decided it wasn't right for them. And two of my close friends, I could tell you who after, but, um, and then I pulled back and I left like a little application fee. I left that money with them because I didn't want to go alone. Wow. So that's why I took a year off after high school and lived at the acreage and just worked. Right. And then through that time, I was like, you know, I, I do want to do this. So after a year off, I went to Lloyd Minster to take that business diploma. And it was just perfect because, you know, I'm 19. I already had a year off high school. At this time, you know, I'm starting to kind of, I wouldn't say with the wrong crowd, but you know, I'm in the city lots, partying lots. There's lots of drugs around and I just needed like a new environment. I was, I was just kind of happy. The timing was right to just get out of my comfort zone. So I went to business school. I didn't know what accounting meant. I didn't know what marketing meant. Um, I didn't need that business college for getting into real estate, obviously, but I, looking back, it was one of the best times of my life. The two years I was in Lloyd, because that was like my first, you know, flight out of the nest, you know, like being a young kid moving to a new province. And I moved into the dorms, you know, by myself with a bunch of strangers and got out of my comfort zone. And I met some awesome people that I'm still like super close with today. I learned about what business is. 
And there were some little seeds planted throughout that year that kind of set me up for making the decision to, to, to do what I do now. Um, <clears throat> after that two year course, I went away to call or went away to traveling. That's when you and I were in Australia. I was probably gone for three and a half, four months. And I came back and it was the perfect time to go travel because, you know, I finished college. I barely had any money. Hey, let's go backpacking. So it was perfect. And within the last couple of weeks of that Australia trip, like I, and this is something I've mentioned before, but I, I had this like desire to come back and start building something. I didn't know what, but I was like, I want to do something. I want to build something. So I could like feel this desire in me. And I came back, you know, I, I remember I had three or 400 bucks to my name. I moved back into my mom's basement and I'm really fortunate that I had like, it was like six to eight months. I lived with my mom when I was like 21 to really just not worry about, you know, jumping into an apartment and paying bills and really kind of like think. Mm. And so right when I got back, I was thinking, okay, I have this business diploma now. Like what, what should I do? What do I want to do? I still don't even know. And I remember back, we had this business etiquette course in high school and it was kind of an awkward class. Actually, we learned how to like shake hands properly and like oh, wow. how to like hold like plates and how to be like, have business etiquette essentially. Right. And, um, there was this one, sh one thing we did where we, we actually met, we had like a, a gathering with like all these bankers and business owners. And we, we all wore like suits and we went and like had a drink and like just basically schmoozed, you know, and talked right. to people. And we had spies that were judging us on how we like, how our posture was, right. like, were we nervous? Were we just hiding in the corner or were we going and approaching people, getting out of our comfort zone? So <laughs> kind of like Toastmasters a little bit. Kind of. Yeah. You know, just uncomfortable for everybody. Right. And like, you know, we're 20 years old. Like we, we think at that point, like, oh, you know, we're all grown ups, but it's like, we're all so insecure. We're all so naive still yeah. when we're in college at that age. And that's why, that's why when people say like, um, you know, you should shake someone's hand and like, look them in the eye. Like if they do that, you can trust them. And I'm like, you know how easy a snake could go in those classes and just fucking look you in the eye and have your palm up and be, you know, it's They're like, they can all fucking do that. It doesn't there. take a, you know, yeah. a gentleman to do that. Yeah. But anyway, this is like getting us confidence and getting yeah, out yeah. of our comfort zone. So anyways, I, I remember clearly asking, like, I think like a banker and a couple other people, like, I was just trying to get some value out of this. I was like, Hey, I don't know what I want to do. Like, where do you think a good place to start would be out of business school? Like, I don't want to be an accountant. You know, I'm obviously not going to start a business. I have no money. Like, and, and all it was the two or three people I asked, they were like sales. They're like, get into sales. There's lots of opportunity. There's lots of different people you can meet lots. Of, they're like, sales is just a great place to start. Yeah. And I, so I, I, that kind of stuck with me, you know, and I was like, mm -hmm. okay, whatever. I didn't think much of it. So fast forward a couple of years, I'm, you know, I'm 21, I'm living in my mom's basement. I get back from traveling. I'm like, I'm going to look to get into sales. And we talked last week about sacrifice, you know, and yeah. <clears throat> my sacrifice was, okay, I'm the educated guy out of my close friends now, but I'm not going to go look for a job to make a bunch of money. Like I'll work for free right now. This is about getting out of my comfort zone, getting over the fear of rejection and learning. So I, I was looking in the paper. I think my mom even found it, that job at the local newspaper. There's a, you know, uh, print advertising. You can sell business to business, sell advertising space for this newspaper and now hiring. So I applied, I went and got an interview, I got the job and it was, it was shit money for like, for the first four or five months, it was like 1500 bucks a month. Mm. And then after that you could start making like some commission and 
I was like, whatever, I'm living in my mom's basement. This is the perfect opportunity. And my whole mindset when I got back from traveling there, when I said I had this desire, it was about working towards financial freedom. Like I want to be wealthy one day. I want to be like affluent one day. And so it wasn't like I want to be a realtor. I I didn't even think about that at this point, but it was like, I want to start working towards, you know, wealth towards financial freedom. So I was very aware and I got this sales job knowing it wasn't a long-term thing, but I I just knew, I knew deep in my gut that it was going to lead to something. I I knew answers were going to come eventually from this opportunity, whether it was through people I met, whether it was through getting my mind to start gearing in different directions. So again, listening to your intuition, I was like, this is it. I don't know why, but this is it. That's the nice thing when you have like that, that idea in your mind that like finances is, and money is very, like you're driven by that. So then it makes your other decisions a lot easier. You know, to not take this job where you might not acquire a skill that will further you down that path of financial freedom. So it, it makes those decisions, even if it is a pay cut, if you learn skills that you know down the road will help you. But without knowing that money is like kind of driving you, then you might not be able to make those decisions so easier. You might not be able to sacrifice working that sales job and making not very much money. But in your mind, you knew what you were going for and this was the skill you needed and things will happen down the road. Opportunities will present themselves. Do you know what? When I was 21, I knew I was playing the long game. I could have went and made three times as much working the rigs with my other friends who weren't educated, but I knew in the long term. I would be making not, and it, again, it's not me against them, but I knew I'd be making more and doing something I enjoy. Fucking peasants there. <laughs> um, it's all about climbing over your friends. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I, I'm very happy at that age. I was aware that like, okay, this isn't to get quick money. Like this is a long-term investment. So that's where my mind was geared. So I, not only did I take this job to learn about sales and to go into businesses and get out of my comfort zone and make proposals to business owners, I decided that any money I could save since I was living in my mom's basement was to save up for a down payment with a friend on a property. So it was like, okay, first I'm, I'm doing this sales job. I'm learning about it. You know, in my spare time, I'm working out and I'm reading and I'm writing notes. I'm making goals. I'm learning about sales, about psychology, about, you know, people, um, And then once I had 7,000 saved up with my friend, we put a down payment on a house. And then my activities went from working this sales job, working out at the gym, and then going and working in the basement because we were going to flip this house eventually, Mm -hmm. you know? So like priorities were there and um, we were just, I was just kind of dialed in, you know? And um, with this sales job, it was interesting because I, I've never been like a super salesy, super outgoing person. Like I know now if, if I tell people I'm shy, they'll be like, oh, bullshit. But I used to be like really shy. And um, so I knew I couldn't go and like, I never wanted to go and deceive people and be that guy that comes in or calls them and they're like, oh, great, this fucking salesman Ryan's calling again. I was like, how can I like be a good person and like do a sales job? Because a lot of people think, you know, salesmen, it's like, oh, Car salesman off yeah. 20th, he's going to try to rob me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shout out to Jake. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Jake, you're a good man. <laughs> um, no, but, you know, people think a salesperson, they think sleazy, which just isn't the case. Yeah. In every industry, there's sleazy people and there's great people. Yeah. Whatever the fuck it is you Martial do. arts too. You go to that McDojo, you'll find some shysters. Yeah. Some pieces of shit taking people's money with invisible force fields. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Straight up. Snakes. Yeah. So 
it was interesting for me because for in order for me to sell people my advertising opportunities, I didn't have to try to tell them about my product. I had to try to tell them about how I can benefit them and speak in their language. So if I was going into a place where their focus was profit, I would research their business first, look at my product and what I had to, to offer and think, how can I how can I actually bring them more profit? Right. And once I had something figured out to propose them, I would go in and say, hey, can I speak to, to, to the person in charge here? I, I want to talk about how I can get you more profit at the end of the month. Mm. And then they would listen to me. Right. And my thing would make sense to them based on um, the amount of traffic I could drive there with, with the eyes that their ad would see in my paper kind of thing. If their focus was on customers, getting people in the door, hey, can I speak to the person in charge here? I want to tell them how I can get some more customers through your door. And I would have an individual unique proposal for that person. And I believed in it. And I, I got excited once I figured out how, hey, I think I can actually bring them more sales from right. advertising my paper. You have a real product. A real product and a real proposal. And I would get excited to talk to them because it wasn't, oh, I'm going to dread this because I got to go sell this guy something. It was, I can't wait to tell this guy how I think he can make more money at the end of the month. Right. It might not be a lot of money, but like for your 1000 that you'll invest with me over the next five months, I think I'm going to bring you $3,000 worth of business over the right. next five months. So it was interesting to me because I started to learn that, hey, sales isn't just deceiving people. Right. Sales is like, you can't be lazy. You got to put in work and find out how you can like benefit people, yeah. make them want to work with you. So so that whole thing was interesting to me. And anyways, I'm doing that. I'm learning a lot. We buy the house. We're just spending all our time and it's discouraging. You know, it's like, you know, I'm starting to finally make a little bit of money and I'm just spending it all on like wood to like frame a basement and like paint to paint the house. And right. we have this, this thing in mind, this big project of, Hey, we're going to flip this and, and sell it and make a profit. But you really have to persevere with shit like that because sometimes it's like, am I wasting all my money? Am I wasting all my time? It's like investing in the stock market. You don't see the returns right away. You just, you just keep paying into this thing and you just hope that down the road there are returns that are going to yeah. come back to you. It's like a house. You're buying all this lumber. You're building this thing. You're like, I hope this comes back to me. Yeah. And you've never done it before. Like it's all new territory. Yeah, it's a risk. And it's why a lot of people don't do that because it's too uncomfortable. They scared. You hear that thing, scared money don't make no money. Yeah. People don't want to let go of their money for a year in order that there might be greener grasses in two years. It's that scarcity mindset, that famine mindset that yeah. you want to hang on and hoard everything exactly. that you have. Yeah. And the people who, the people who are good with money, they, 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 they work their money. Their money doesn't work them and, and they don't care. They don't value money. They val like they, they make their money happen. Like, you know, I, I heard this one thing. It was really good. It's like, don't think of each individual dollar as a dollar. Think of it, them as an employee. They're all employees. Yeah. They'll make them work, yeah. put them in the stock market, buy real estate, let them make you more money. And yeah. that Grant Cardone, he was saying he, he, he gets a sick feeling in his stomach when there's too much money sitting in his account. Yeah. Because when it's in your account, it's not doing anything. But for like even people like me, like although I made like a decent size investment when the pandemic hit, it's it was terrifying for me because I, I wanted to hoard it. I wanted to see the numbers in my account, but those employees aren't working for me right now. So I was like, fuck, I need to let I need to put these assholes to work. Yeah. So you just take the chance and you just, you know, hopefully that it, you hopefully you get the return. Exactly. And it's that mindset towards money, the scarcity mindset. You have to spend money on things that make you more money. Yeah. And you know, so it's, so I knew, I knew 
that I wanted to be wealthy. I knew I wanted to eventually have financial freedom. And I knew the only way for me to get there, because I was never gonna ask for any handouts, was to spend my money on assets and invest my money, and it was scary. But there was two options. Hey, I could just hold on to it and, and not do anything, and I guarantee I won't fail. But I guarantee I won't eventually get rich right. or get wealthy. Right. The other option is, you put it out there, you take a chance, you take a risk, a calculated risk. Don't just be stupid and yeah. speculate. You might fail. You might even fail a few times. But if your mission is to get wealthy, you have to take that option. You have to be willing to fail because right. I can guarantee you the safe, secure way you're not going to do it. Yeah. So I knew this. So it was a no brainer. It was like, oh, well, I have to buy a house. Oh, yeah. well, I have to spend all my money on building supplies. Right. There's no other way. Like, Especially when you have mentors, you're reading books and you see that's how rich people roll. That's what they do. So if, if you just had, it's like rich dad, poor dad. If you were to always listen to the poor dad, he wouldn't be taking those chances. He wouldn't buy the investment property. He wouldn't like put all this money in the stock market. But the rich dad was like, no, like take that chance. You got to take that leap and like get rid of the money, get it out of your account and make the investment. And also I read that book and that was something that really got my gears turning in my brain because the rich dad said, work for me for free and learn. Where right. the poor dad said, no, you're not making money. You need to make minimum wage or... $15 an hour or something. Yeah. So it's that whole philosophy of mindset. Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about that. Hey, like he'll say like a lot of people are like, they'll, they'll apply for a job or whatever. But he said, sometimes like as hard as it is, you have to offer yourself for free. Be like, look, I'll work for you for three months for free. If you, if you don't see any value, you can get rid of me and I'll yeah. walk away. But if you see that I'm like bringing value to the company, then hire me. And he's like, all right, let's prove yourself. That's the whole thing. Everybody wants something now. Yeah. It's the whole delayed gratification concept. Right. There's this marshmallow test. You've probably heard yeah. of it. Yeah. Where they did a study where they gave a bunch of kids. They said, you can have a marshmallow now or in 20 minutes, you can have two marshmallows instead. And they follow the kids made their choices. You know, a certain amount of them waited 20 minutes, delayed gratification and took two marshmallows. They invested it. You know, they, they sacrificed that time. The other kids were like, no, I want a marshmallow now. So they took it and they lost the opportunity cost of getting another one in 20 minutes. They followed these people throughout their whole adulthood. And what they found was the, the children who could delay gratification and wait out that 20 minutes to get more on their investment, they did better in life across the board. They were happier. They did, they were better financially. They had better relationships. Um, something like that in general it was and that is so important dude when i was young if you did that challenge to me i would not only take the marshmallows now i'd ask for chocolate syrup <laughs> I'd be like, can i have something on this fucking thing <laughs> give me more yeah <laughs> but man it's 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 the reason our culture is so messed up when it comes to money and it's you know we're taught that we can spend money that's not ours and it's the reason people make minimum payments on their credit cards and they're literally living in the red and they're a slave yeah. because they, they think that they deserve this stuff now, but it's like, Hey, let's think about the Chinese culture here. If you don't have it in cash, you don't get it. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. Middle Eastern culture, same thing. You yeah. know, so we it's, are, yeah. Martial arts is the same thing. Like you'll see some people, they join, they join a class, they're a white belt. They've never trained before and they want to throw an ax kick. They want to throw a spinning wheel kick. Yeah. Nah, bitch, you're going to stand in your stance and you're just going to walk back and forth and do line drills. Yeah. 
you're going to shadow box. You're going to drill the jab, the low kick, basics, and just slowly develop. And that's the same thing with finances. A lot of people, they want to bypass, you know, the, the learning stage of how to actually save, what to invest in. You know, they just, instead, they'll just get the credit card, pay the minimum payments, which the bank loves because they make more money on that. So they keep giving you more credit and yeah. you just keep expanding your, your debt, but you get nice shit. You get the new quad, you get, you max out the credit on the house and you know, you just get, have all these nice things, but sometimes you didn't always earn it, you know, and now you're left with this debt without the actual skills to manage it all and to grow more money. You're and just, then, yeah. And then the pandemic hits and then you have, to, you think I'm screwed for yeah. life, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's very interesting, man. The way, the way we we want things now. And, and on the last podcast where I talked, you know, there's a lot of people that won't buy a, they want to buy a house, but they won't because they, they want that beautiful brick $400,000 house, their first house. Right. Where we were willing to buy a $200,000 shitty house in the hood yeah. and flip it to make a profit to eventually grow to that. Step. Yeah. I bought a $900 van and now I'm at a $2,000 van straight up. That's what it is. <laughs> 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 but it actually is. Yeah, it actually is. Yeah, it, it is on yeah. a smaller scale. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and um, it's funny. My mom, my mom, she she flips motorhomes. For those of you who don't know, she does a lot of that, and she always calls herself like itself like a real estate mogul, but like with like yeah. trailers and yeah. stuff. So she always I love it. Thinks she's this boss lady. You know, it's awesome. Yeah, it's it's and you know maybe that's a conversation for another day. The whole culture of money and and relationships with money, but it's very interesting. And yeah, th- there's yeah. a reason why a lot of people struggle with, with money throughout their whole lives and have a bad relationship with money. And there's a reason why, why others don't. But anyways, so I'm working the sales job. I, I've, I've met a realtor in the meantime because we bought a property. So I'm starting to build rapport with this realtor. I ended up selling this realtor some advertising at my job actually. And everything changed one day. I know it sounds corny, but like I legitimately had like an epiphany serendipity <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, okay. full circle from yeah, episode one yeah. <laughs> um, everything changed one day I, I had never thought about being a realtor up until the day that I pretty much bought my course I was driving out to Warman I'd been at this sales job for about a year I had owned this property with my friend we're you know, in the middle of developing it and I'm driving and the thought just came into my head you should be selling real estate. And I was like, I just kind of let, I was kind of like just giving that some thought. I really liked where I had come with the sales job, but it was at the point after a year where it was starting to be too pushy. It was, you know, you have to go, you have to grind. It's sales where you have to go and make shit happen. And, uh, kind of like door to door, but business to business. Hey, yeah. Like walk up to these businesses and do this, do your regular spiel. And there's only so much you can make. Right. And I was thinking, it was as simple as this. What's the most expensive thing I could sell to get the biggest returns? Right. I could sell cars. That's, you know, 20, 30, 40, $60,000 thing I could sell. You could get, you know, a few thousand dollars. What are people's biggest investments? Houses, buildings. I bet the returns are even bigger on those. There's other people that do that. Why not me? And that's why I started to think, why not me? Like, am, why couldn't I do that? Like, is that like out of my element? Like, am I not good enough to like sell real estate? Right. I started thinking and every I had all these pros and cons thoughts and everything just aligned. 
Um, those are such beautiful moments in life where things make sense. Dude, and there's it's so beautiful because I'm one of those people who can be very indecisive. And there's nothing worse than that feeling of like, like we were talking about, what what the hell can I do with my life? I feel like I could do something good. I feel like I have some potential, but what can I do? And I'm very indecisive in a lot of ways. And once this thing hit, and from the day I got licensed, in, from the day I bought the course to now, I've never been so grounded and sure of something in my life. There's never, I, I've, I've questioned it before, like, am I, do, and it's always an immediate, yes, you're in the right place. I, I wouldn't rather be doing anything else. I don't regret it. This is, this is where I'm supposed to be. And so that is such a good grounding feeling, man. It's a rare feeling. It's a rare feeling. Uh, like it seems like everybody's chasing that feeling. And so when you just so happen to stumble upon it and something makes sense to you, even if you don't achieve the thing, just being on that path towards it is awesome. It makes thing, it makes your life more simple. All, like you said in the last episode, like all your decisions are, are easier because you're not distracted by these other things. Like you see this thing that you want and you just start going. Yeah. Television. You know? Yeah. And it's interesting too, because socks, <laughs> what the hell was I going to say? Uh, um, it's interesting too, because, oh man, I'm just having a brain fart right now. <laughs> um, Keep talking, it'll come, it'll come. I don't even know what to say now. Okay, what were we just talking about? Um, oh yeah, when you know something, when you're- Oh yeah, when things make sense. Oh yeah, okay, here it is. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny when all of the things you've done in the past, like it's the little things. If I wouldn't have went to school, moved away to college, I wouldn't have been in that situation where those business people would have said, maybe start in sales. Right. And like, maybe I would have never thought about real estate if I wouldn't have been there that one night, mm. that little Toastmasters thing. And, and you know, some of these different, like maybe if I wouldn't have got this, this realtor to buy the house with, cause maybe I'm kind of jumping the gun here. I'll come, I'll continue with my story. So anyways, but I do want to touch on that. So yeah. what you just said, so the, what you just said reminds me of the alchemist. Yes. And if, if you haven't read that book, if you're listening to the podcast and you just heard Ryan's story, I would, I would consider picking it up and reading it. It's a really cool, um, fictional story of this younger you know guy who kind of grew up in like maybe the slums or like a rougher area it was like a farm or something like that he was a sheep a sheep farm or something i forget what it was yeah but the the story was that he just had this desire he had this thing this feeling that wanted him he wanted to get out of that area and so he started the book talks a lot about omens and whether you believe in or not and I don't even know if I do, but it sure is fun to, and I kind of do. I, I, I do. It's like we talked about we the last. We choose to. Yeah, we choose to. It's like the last episode where, um, you know, when, when something happens or, it, you know, you have these weird coincidences, it almost, you, you feel like you're on the right path. Like yes. what Aaron yeah. said, you know, it's like if you're thinking of someone else and they call you. It's like, that might be an omen. Might be a sign from the universe. Hey, yeah. you're in the right place. So it's like, I, I feel like if, like with you, just you know, having that desire after traveling and, you know, or going to get your, you know, business, um, diploma or degree, whatever it is. Um, when the real estate agent, uh, told you about real estate or get into sales, those are like little omens that are almost like little guide things. They're like a compass. It's like, you're going in one direction. All of a sudden you hit this thing and it's like, tink, and it tees you off here. And then you bump in another person tink, and you're like, and that's it. in the book, the alchemist, that's what he's doing. It's like he runs into this crazy thing. He, it's a lot of struggle. Like he gets robbed a few times, but during the chaos and the struggle, he, he takes these, these 
messages away and, and it puts them on this other path. And all of a sudden the end of the story, it's like this beautiful full circle thing. But I think there's a lot of power in trying to listen and uh, see those opportunities or those omens or whatever you want to call them. So yeah, that, yeah, that just whatever you said made me think of the alchemist. And do you know what I think that comes from is listening to your gut, listening yeah. to your intuition. Yeah. When you really listen to your intuition and you, you don't lie to yourself and you try to listen to that, you know, voice inside of you, you put yourself in these right situations, right. quote unquote, right situations. And they can be scary. Cause imagine, you know, the first time you, you didn't go to Edmonton to go to school. Imagine if you just like that, 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 that was it. You just did what your other friends were doing. Yeah. Like that was, that was like a possible omen that you denied, but then over time the desire got stronger. So you're like, no, I actually need to do this. Yeah. So you can see one and you can turn your cheek and go the other way and it might make you, and I think they actually talk about in the book, the more you ignore your gut, the heart, the, the quieter it is, the more you listen to it, the louder it gets. So if you start to get really good and in tune with listening to your intuition or your gut, you're going to hear it a lot louder. But some people, they've denied it for so long, they can't even hear it. It's calloused. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I believe in that, man. I really yeah. do. So I, every, I'm driving out to Warman. I'm thinking, my mind is firing. Holy shit, I, I should get into real estate. The lifestyle of it, the, the, the tasks, you know, okay, I'm organized. I'm reliable. Okay, you know, um, you know I, I, I love the idea of working with my back up against the wall, knowing that I could do exceptional, but knowing that if I don't sell anything, I don't make any money so I could fail too. Right. It's expensive to be a realtor and it really is. I could get eaten up. Okay, so this is scary. But everything about it just aligned and I liked it. So I called the realtor that we used to buy the house and I literally just called him and said, hey, this is kind of a long shot. What do you think about a guy like me getting into real estate? Like I've been in sales now. I went to business school. I've, I've really been thinking about this today. Like I called him immediately. And again, another one of these, call it an omen. He's, he's pretty much said, I've been waiting for you to call me. Hmm. He's and like, it's like legit in the book too. It's like that wise guy. He's yeah. like, oh, I've been waiting for you, dude. <laughs> he's like, I really wanted to work with you and to kind of mentor you, but I didn't want to ever ask you. It needed, you needed to want to do it yourself. Wow. So he's like, I was really hoping that you eventually so wanted to get crazy. into real estate. We met for lunch that day. We talked about it. The next day I went and got my courses mm -hmm. and I started studying real estate because I had this outside sales job where I kind of make my own hours. I was able to, you know, work three quarters of a day and still study for, you know, three hours a day. So literally that day, the next, I, I, I have the first thought about being a realtor. The next day I buy my books, I have this guy that's willing to mentor me and work alongside as a, as a team member with me. Um, I pass my tests, whatever it is, you know, four or five, six months later, I don't remember. I get licensed in real estate. I start working and that was May of, yeah, nine years ago. Wow. And yeah. Man, it's crazy. You're saying like it's it's a, like a scary thing where yeah you jump into this and you could succeed or you could fail, but your back's up against the wall and it's like this scary thing. You're not under a business anymore where you're getting a, a um, like base a, plus salary. Yeah, here's your hourly wage or here's yeah. your yeah. It's like if if you don't sell, you don't make any money. And I've thought about this lots, like when I was and even doing what I'm doing now, like I, I work for MMAC kind of, but I'm also like a subcontractor. So like I have to fill the 6am class up. I have to get my own privates and anybody who runs their own business, 
I sometimes think, or if you're a real estate agent, or even in car sales when I work with McNeil's, you didn't get a base pay. If you don't sell, you don't make money. But I like to think of it as like a modern day hunter gatherer. Like you're the hunter going out to get food. Better hunt well. Dude, that's what gets me up in the morning. Yeah. I am just as motivated today than I was nine years ago. Yeah. Oh, I got to go make some shit happen. Yeah. And that lifestyle is not for everybody. You can drive people up the walls. And like for me, like I, you know, I I might not desire um, the same amount of wealth as you, but I do desire the lifestyle. So for me, it was more like, let's limit my expenses, do the things I love, and I can still live this freedom lifestyle and and feel like, yeah, this entrepreneur, hunter, gather type guy where I got to go get my shit. So you have to like, you're always being creative. You have to keep your motivation levels up. You have to do the things that are not always fun, but you just do them anyway, because that's what's going to keep you in the game. You know, like a hunter fucking sharpening his blade. Yeah. And like you said it, I had a conversation with my cousin one time and he's like, man, I couldn't do what you do. He's like, you know, we're out on the weekend and I got to text somebody back. I got to take a phone call. And it's not like I have to, but hey, if you want to do good, you better be available because availability is the best ability in real estate. Right. And he's like, I couldn't do what you do. And I was thinking about, he was about to go back to the rigs for two weeks. And I was like, I respect that. And that's, I, I can see that for sure. It's not for everybody. But I was like, I couldn't do what you do. Cause tomorrow you have to go back out to camp with those oh. guys that aren't your friends. And, right. and you got to be in there for two weeks. And I'm like, that makes me feel gross inside. Yeah. And he said, I love it because whatever, I, I'm a hard worker. I go get it done. And then when I come back for a week, I don't even have to look at my phone. I do whatever the hell right. I want. I'm off call. Right. And I said, man, I respect that. I could, I could totally see how you like that too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it goes back to like your motivation with, with money or wealth. You have to know, you should know what your motivations yeah. are. Do you, do you value just peace and quiet? Then you might, you might like a nine to five or yeah. something where in the evening, when you're not at work, you're not fucking working. Nobody gets to call you. Yeah. You don't have to answer shit. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. Little exactly. side hobbies, evening things, weekends are free. Yeah. Like there's a lot of beauty in that, but you have to know. You got to yeah. know what your what your thing is. Yeah. What's right for me isn't what's right for you isn't what's right, right for the other person. And this lifestyle that I live is not for everybody. Right. What was that thing you said? The 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 something about availability. Availability is the best ability. So that's something that I you know that was a huge thing for me to coach with MMAC. I I didn't know when or how I could do it because I you know Kurt and Adam they were the only yeah BMT coaches at the time. I had so much respect for them. They had far more experience than I did. So I'm like okay I I didn't want to compete with them either. So I was like I need to like set up a thing where I can coach like they are in the gym, but at a different time, 6 a.m. It was completely separate from them, so I had to be available in the morning. I knew people get up early, so I'm like, I'm just gonna create this morning thing, and it, like that's kind of what what fueled it was like when I, and similar to you calling that, um, you know, your real estate mentor just out of the, you know, out of the blue, I I asked Kurt, I was like, can I take you out for coffee? And it was kind of the same thing. I had I saw a mentor, I saw someone who's doing something that I wanted to do. I'm like, how can I have some of that? Take him out for Dude. coffee, start the six a.m. class. I was available. Your and, competitive advantage that your timing exactly. And I remember Kurt was he kind of. I remember when I first told him, he's like, just so you know, he's like, I won't come to one of your classes. Yeah. It's just too early. That's how I feel too, dude. Right. I won't be at one. I never yeah. have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Adam, too fucking lazy. Adam came to one. You know, and but it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. Just I like evenings not my shit i shut down in the evening morning's yeah. my shit and i know a lot of people uh, other people are morning people but you have to know yeah and now you kind of you create that thing on your own you just become available at the times that maybe other people aren't 
And finding a mentor is so damn important. Oh. Um, too many people listen to people's advice that don't have what they want. It's yeah. not about listening to what people say. It's about watching what the people you want to do, yeah. you know? So be careful who you take advice from. And also, if you can get a mentor, that is so good because you can model what they're doing. And again, it's, it's based off action. It's not what people are saying. It's somebody doing what you want to do or somebody that has what you want to have. And guess what? You might feel like you're bugging something. If you're somebody who's in a mentor position, which you and I might be one day, if somebody approaches you and wants to learn from you and you can see that they truly want to learn from you, we are more than happy to mentor someone and give them. Yeah. You know, if somebody really wants it, a mentor is extremely happy to share with you their journey and to help you, yeah. but, but you really have to want it. And that's the key. Yeah. And that's like your real estate guy was like, I wanted to message you, but I wanted you to call me. Yeah. They want to see that you're actually into it. Yeah. You know? And like, I remember when I, yeah, when I, when I said that to Kurt, he kind of like, I think he, I remember him, I like kind of like laughing. Cause he's like, Oh, I'm glad it was you that brought it up because like the gym was like starting to grow a little bit. And they were like, we do need some help, but you probably wouldn't want someone that maybe just didn't fit the job and you don't want to like turn them down. So he was kind of like, okay, like you're the guy, man, was you. you're but, the fucking guy. And talking about mentors, like, like look at what Kurt did when they left their old gym to start their own thing. Kurt took the leap of faith and went down to California, trained at team alpha male, a bunch of savages, probably pretty intimidating. And, and Kurt's a pretty like introverted, quiet guy as well, yeah. but yet he shows up invest all this money time physical abuse training with these fucking he animals said it was very discouraging he almost wanted to leave because yeah he's like i thought i was good that's right yeah so humble pie at the beginning but then over time it's it's called i think they call it the rub you know when you you hang out like like you let's say you hung out with like a billionaire one day they're the way they view the world and they view money is going to rub off on you and the more you, and in martial arts, same thing, but body, whatever the thing is, if you hang out with someone like a mentor who has something you want and they're badass in that field, you're going to get a little bit of that rub. You're going to be like, oh shit, they view, they view martial arts this way or money this way or whatever, you know? So it's nice when you can, and, and going back to Kurt. So we went to team alpha male, eventually made a connection with Dwayne Ludwig. And then they were just kind of, they, he made a friend and that was his mentor. Now he yes. didn't have one before. Yeah. That's why they left their old gym. They didn't trust their, the, the head guy there. So they left that Kurt found a legit mentor as legit as they come. Legit as it gets. And now you have this banner BMT bang Muay Thai representing your establishment and you get to learn from him and, and he has that connection and Dwayne Ludwig has his mentor. And once you realize, or you start to notice these successful people, they all have mentors. It's so fucking rare that someone who has made it does not have a mentor. You, you have to have somebody that's walked the walk already. It doesn't mean you do exactly what they do. You know, it's like the G, uh, Bruce Lee thing, take the good, leave the bad, add what is uniquely your own. So it's like, I, like I'm, I'm built different than Kurt. I love what he says, but I might tweak it just a little bit because I'm six one and skinny, yeah. you know? So yeah, mentorship, man, it's fucking gold. Yeah, you don't wing it. You find out what works for other people and you do that. Yeah. Like, that's what it is. And that motherfucker right there in the picture, Justin, another guy, a relationship right. that I met in college. He comes from a very wealthy family based on hard work and family business and generations, investments. And he became my best buddy in college. And next thing you know, I realize I have a scarcity mindset with money. I... I, I I see the way he thinks and talks and acts and looks about money right. and it rubs off on me yeah. of like, 
like I could, it's just different. So I started to think differently and that's where it all stems. You start thinking differently. And you do, but you don't act like him and you, you don't buy $700 steaks. Well, and here's the thing is like, if you know me, I'm a, I'm a frugal guy. I live below my means. And that's, that's the other thing. There's a lot of realtors. There's a lot of successful people in whatever industry it is out there who make six figures a year and they don't have shit and they don't pay their taxes and they have credit card debt and they live above their means. They have all the coolest toys, but, but they're a slave. I've paid myself a minimal dividend. I started a company like seven years ago. I've been incorporated. All my money goes into investments, savings, or my company. I pay myself a wage from Ryan Toman Realty PC Inc. And it is the bare minimal to get by. Yeah. And yes, I treat myself now and then, you know, I, you know, I, I buy, I spend money like crazy on things that are going to make me more money, but I live below my means, you know, like I'll sell two houses and be like, Hey Jesse, let's go for a $6 noodle bowl. We've earned it. Yeah. Yeah. Or or you'll get like a latte instead of a, a, like a a espresso. Yeah. Get the $6 coffee instead of a $4 coffee today because I sold a house, you know? And it's like, you have to be like that. There's a reason why there's school teachers out there who have a paid off house, a timeshare and all their kids education is paid for. Because it's not about how much money you make. It's about what you do with your money. Yeah. And there's a reason why a lot of people who make 100000 200000 a year are broke because they try to live like a millionaire. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? It's, that was the biggest thing I learned from the wealthy barber. And I had told Ryan this, but so at the end of every single journal entry, I just write the wealthy ninja. And so like that, what I learned in that book was to live within your means and pay yourself first. That's like, that's like finances 101. At the bare minimum, just make more than you spend and then put a little bit in a savings account. That's it. That's like, yeah, very basic kindergarten level finances. And obviously you can do the stock market, the whatever. There's a bunch of other things. But reading that book was like really kind of, because I've been in the position where, yeah, like maxed out credit card, just, you know, just a lot of shit. You're just, I'm spending more than I'm making. Yeah. And there's obviously that's a bad idea. It's a, you're going to ruin yourself financially. Yeah. So after reading that book, I was like, okay, like I, 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 I love the idea that he was a barber. He, and he, but he was wealthy. He knew how to live within his means every single month. He was paying himself first. So his future was taken care of. And when someone wanted to go out to eat, he had the money. He didn't have to stress about it. He'd treat himself every now and then, but he was this guy doing what he loved to do, cut hair, but he was wealthy. And so I'm like, I want that lifestyle, but being a ninja straight up, you know, yeah, yeah, it's, it's so powerful to live within your means, you know? And and what I started to learn through time is I, I don't even like to say getting rich. That sounds like cheesy and like snaky to me getting rich but anyways i'm going to use that for lack of better term get rich or die trying (laughs) yeah for lack of better term um i started to to think selling real estate isn't going to get me rich but but buying real estate is going to get me rich so that's where my 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 mind started to shift differently and again you know it's my expertise is in real estate so invest in what you know so you know i built a house in 2016 and sold it i've i have a revenue property now like I'm, I'm, I'm learning to, it's not about what you make. It's about what you have and what you do with it. Mm. So like my mind is more focused on buying real estate now right. and setting up long-term investments, building equity, you know, like building net worth. So yeah. that's kind of been beautiful about what I do is I can do investing on the side, you know, and like I have investments in like private, you know, edu- um, uh, private real estate in Ontario and uh, just different real estate stuff. And I do have some stocks too, but 
it's um you, you can just start kind of slowly growing things and it's not short-term speculation oh i'm gonna buy you know this quick thing because i heard it's hot it's like the warren buffett style of investing of like right. invest don't pull it out buy don't even hold. look at it buy and hold long term yeah. you know and uh again the whole culture of people want things right now it's it takes discipline to plan for 10 20 30 40 50 years but like I said, man, from the time I was 21, I, I knew I was in it for the long game. Right. That's um, like the evolution of being on that path too. It's like, it does like evolve. Like you start out just wanting to get into sales, you get a sales job, then you get into real estate. Then you learn more about real estate because you can make more money owning real estate, renting it out. Then you maybe get into like commercial buildings and it's like this, it's like anything, like martial arts, same thing. You start as a white belt, you get your black belt. Oh, yeah. I'm going to maybe coach. Oh, maybe I'll start my own dojo. Oh, can I do something online? It's just like this, it, it just never ends, but it starts with that that desire and that passion and that thing that you just keep. My mom always says like fail forward, but it, without, mm -hmm. it just onward. You just yeah. kind of take one step forward and all of a sudden, yeah, you might be like this, you know, commercial real estate mogul or who knows, but it's like, you know, I just like that progression. Once you're on that path, opportunities will come if you're ready to pull the trigger on it. No and I'll be honest. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't want to be showing strangers houses on long weekends when I'm 60. You know, right. I want to set something up where my money just comes to me and I don't have to show houses when I'm at, at that age, you know, but it's, yeah. it takes discipline, man. Like again, the whole discipline equals freedom thing. It's like, man, like it's not about just making good money. You know, I, I've heard some people say, Oh, wish I could be a realtor and make lots of money or I wish I could be a lawyer and make lots of money. It's like, right. you don't get it. Lots of those people don't have lots of money. Yeah. Like it, it, it is a character thing. It's like, you have to be disciplined. You have to show up every day. You have to treat it like more than full-time work. Like I work way more than 40, 40 hours a week. I'm always on go, you know? Right. And, um, so it, it takes time and it takes perseverance. Yeah. That's like the millionaire next door. They talk about that. Such a, a good book. It's so good. But it's like, they'll have like their neighbor with like a paid off house, like all these vehicles that are like, you know, they're not like Mercedes or anything, but everything's just paid off. And then you find out what they do for a living. And it's not, they're not real estate agents. They're not lawyers, doctors. They have like regular ass jobs. Maybe they're a teacher, police officer, whatever, but they live within their means and they know how to like save money. And they budget. They, they budget. They it out. Right. So it's like, you can, you can have this, you know, lavish lifestyle or like have these freedoms if you're disciplined, but you can you can make 500 grand a year a million dollars a year and still be in debt and still just be paycheck to paycheck yeah so again yeah like you said i don't think it's about how much money you're making it's just are you living within your means and do you budget and are you disciplined yeah you know and even though i've been talking like you know i've because i have man i've been dialed in with like this money consciousness like i don't relate to a lot of people in the sense because i don't want this to sound bad but when i wake up and go to bed at night like man, like money is on my mind and it's not like in a bad way. See, when I got into sales, I wanted to make a lot of money. It's okay. I, and I had to learn because I never thought this way before. It's okay to want to make a lot of money. Yep. You don't have to be a bad person if you want to make a lot of money. But we have this in our culture, this shame and guilt. It's almost embarrassment. We don't, it's a bad thing to want to make a lot of money, but that's bullshit. Yeah. Like, like again, listen to who you're taking information from some of the most selfless people, um, the most generous people, the people that are doing the most for other people are the people that have done extremely well financially. It has nothing. There's poor people who are great and there's poor people who are shitheads. There's rich people who are fantastic people, the best of society. 
And there's rich people who are complete pieces of shit yeah. that will just rob you, that will burn, that, that have no regard for human nature. Right. But it's like, take all that smoke out, out of the way. It's okay to want to do well. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to not stress over bills? Right. Why wouldn't you want to be able to travel whenever you want? Why wouldn't you want to be able to not have a house payment and have all your kids' education paid for? It's like, it's okay to make a lot of money. Like, yeah. And I had, to, I had to teach myself that. It's a, t- it's a tough thing to learn. Yeah. Especially when you, if you don't grow up in a family that that talked about that, and I know like your parents were quite good with money, but it wasn't like a topic around the dinner table. You kind of had to learn that on your own through books, mentors, exactly. school. Exactly. So it's like it's kind of nice knowing that um, you know you grow up in a regular household that that isn't the topic of discussion. You can still create the mindset of of having abundance and being okay with that. Yeah. But I would, I, for years I had like a sour taste in my mouth and a bad relationship with like the idea of lots of money and over time and probably a little bit of like taking your rub or whatever it's called of, of getting that mindset. And I, I read some of the similar books that you read and listening to the podcast, it slowly kind of changed my mind. Again, it's not like my number one priority, but it allowed me to live within my means and actually want to grow some wealth and make these investments and like have financial freedom because money is freedom. You can buy healthier food. You don't have to like think about, oh, I don't want to go to lunch because I just don't have the money. So now you're just limited and you're like, you're like in a prison, you know, but the money will allow you the freedom to live the life you want to live. You know, that's it. And, and there's a bigger picture too, you know, it, it's good to be aware of where you're at. Like, I want to be in a place eventually where I can mentor other people in business, where I can share martial arts, where I can, you know, like, I can send my parents on trips. I can, like, I, I, I have this selfless pursuit in the long term and it's good to realize, okay, I'm in a stage where I'm like grinding, I'm hustling, I'm sacrificing, I'm persisting for this decade and for the next decade because... You know, it's good to know where you're at because this isn't just to bunker up a bunch of money and then just be rich and be a shithead. It's like, I want to like, you know, like build homes for people. I want to like build, like, I want to do very, you know, purposeful acts like in my later years in life and give, 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 give and give opportunities like I was given, you know? So you have to look at the big picture. And again, it, it comes back to the long game. Yeah, fit for service. That's something Aubrey Marcus talks a lot about. Like he has a actually a thing that you sign up for called fit for service. But even just thinking in financial terms, if you want to serve and help the world, you know, a natural disaster happens and they ask for money to go fund this thing and you don't have any, you're not fit for service. The more money you have, if you have that mindset, you can, you're actually fit to serve, you know, and it's like, you know, whether, whether that's even just being like a doctor, like, and you have to help people, you have to be fit enough, like mentally, you have to know your yeah. shit to actually serve people and help people. So fi- I think finances in the same way. And, and you, like you said, there's some people that are gr- greedy hoarding pieces of shit. Like I think Warren Buffett was like, he's like, I'm not, when I die, he's like, I'm not giving my kids a penny. And it's like, and I understand that, but it, you know, and then it's like the other part, you're like, man, you motherfucker, <laughs> what did you make? billions of dollars for yeah you know and i know he he probably does like a lot of good as well but yeah it's just it's fit for service you know the the more you have whether that's health intelligence or money you can serve people better you have to help yourself before you can help others yeah period yeah Air, the airplane analogy what do they say when it starts to get turbulence and you're about to crash put your mask on first before your exactly. kids because if you don't put yours on you everybody's dying exactly help yourself first then put your kids on yeah you know and also it's not, it's not just about money to me. Like I, I 
I am, I get very satisfied, like for whatever weird reason, like providing a service. Like mm-hmm. I, I like to take care of people. I, I, I love the feeling knowing people can trust me and I say, Hey, like I'll take care of it yeah. and knowing that they can trust it. And you know, there's different sales approaches. My sales approach has always been, if your business is built off building relationships, or sorry, back that up. If your business is built off relationships, make building relationships your business. Mm. And that's what I want. I'm not a volume guy where I sell your house and you don't hear from me again. Right. I want to, if, if I, if I meet with you and we go and sell your house or whatever, I want to be talking to you like a couple times a year, a few times a year, depends with each person for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Like I, I've, I've sold somebody a property eight years ago and I've sold them four different properties over the last, you know, eight years. And we have like, we go for lunch every now and then, or, you know, I'll call them at Christmas or send them a bottle or something. And it's right. like, I, I want that relationship with, with everybody, man. It's, it's about relationships. And yeah. I, I want that long term. I don't want somebody to be like, fuck, Ryan just kind of came in and then dipped out and got paid. And right. it's like, I, I want to like provide a service. I want to provide value to you. I want people to like, you know, think I'm a good person. Like I've always been a little bit of a people pleaser in that sense. It's maybe not a good way to put it, but it's like, I just, I want to keep people happy. I don't want people to feel slighted after I'm, after I've dealt with them or done business with them. I want them to be like, you know, that was, that was good. Like that could have went smoother and like, and that's the thing where you can like, you can do both. You can pursue money, but you can also help provide a service and value and like help people. It's like you, you don't have to just pursue money and, and just fuck everybody once they've dealt with you. Yeah. And it's like that's one of the, the, the best things I think for a lot of people. And if you can get addicted to that feeling of helping people, it, then, then money will probably come. Like even on a small scale, like when I, make, when I made that TikTok video that's going viral, the comments where it's like, man, this was helpful. Those little things where I'm like, oh shit, like sweet, I helped somebody. I yeah. helped them understand that technique a little bit better. And you get like excited. So it's probably the same thing when you sell a home and somebody messages you the next day being like, man, you were a pleasure to deal with. Like you really helped us. Like we love the home. You're like, fuck yeah, I did my job. Man, that's what it's about. I've had some awesome messages. I've met some amazing people through this like journey and like that's the shit that warms my heart. That's the shit that makes me smile. That's the shit that like motivates me to keep doing it. To be like I want to go through this with you and be like, "Wow, Ryan's a good guy and he put us before him and he looked out for our best interests and he yeah. didn't take advantage of us." That's like my my goal and the whole mindset shifting too is like I don't live check to check, sale to sale. And this has been a tough one, but my mood is not determined by sales being made or sales collapsed. You know, sometimes people, you know, they they have a good month and then they're happy for a few days and then they have a bad month and they're like kind of depressed. And, you know, like I said, I've, I used to have those days when I'd wake up and just think about, oh, I need to, you know, be selling more and stuff. But now it's all I focus on is, am I doing my best and am I spending my time wisely and am I doing all I can for all my clients as I can as a human being. Controlling what you can. Exactly. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I go to bed happy knowing that I did my best today. Yeah. Like I, I put in effort Before all day. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so that's, I, I think that's really important to keep, you know, it, it's like, uh, it's just that, that character standard with regards to ethics and morals, you know, and just yeah. like at the end of the day, like you have to be happy with yourself or else what the fuck are you doing? Right. Well, shit, man. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. I think we're at probably over in an hour by now. Um, you got anything else you want to cover? I'm just looking. I made a couple quick notes. I just want to make sure. sure. Um, 
Yeah, that's pretty much it, man. <laughs> yeah, well, congrats on nine years, man. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how much time flies. It know? is, man. It's wild. And when I got in, Warman was like the fastest growing city in Canada or Western Canada. You know, there's been a lot of changes. Like I was in a group dynamic, essentially, where we split commissions. We worked on things together. Um, the economy was booming. And then 2016 came, the economy went into the shits. And then now we're up again and I've, I've been working on my own for a few years now and it's just been a crazy ride and like I, I learn every day and that, that's what I love about what I do is it's it's not the same shit every day. Like I, I'll have stuff happen to me today or I'll learn stuff today that has not happened once in nine years. So every day is different. I'm constantly learning. It's There's always a surprise. There's a lot of highs and I'm going to be honest, there's stressful days too. There's things that are inconvenient, you know, in sales, you can be the best person that you can be. And there's still people that are going to just decide one day to stop talking to you and go work with the next person and not answer your calls anymore. Yeah. I've talked to the best agents I've ever met in my life. And that's, that happens to them. And it's, um, so it's, it's been a, a journey of growth, man, a journey of growth. And, uh, like I said, I'm still grounded. I'm still on the right path and I'm excited to, for future failures and for future successes. Fuck yeah. Awesome, man. I think people are going to enjoy this one. Hopefully. Hopefully. If not, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Straight e- up. Episode 10. Thanks for listening.